0: The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM stereo. So to the Alfiat. Voice of the Millennials. With Yassin Kipi, Igniting the youth. as welcome back to the voice of the millennials with myself, Yasin Kippi. One of the biggest trends when it comes to the youth in uh, the 21st century is, of course, experiencing new things. And uh, we joined on the line now by Halal Safari's owner and uh, founder, Samia Umar. Uh, of course, she has uh, a tourist uh, business looking at halal safaris, particularly in Africa and the opportunities that Africa has for the wider world. as Samia.
1: Wa salam Yasin. How are you?
0: I'm great, and I'm I'm really fascinated by the entire concept of halal safaris. Tell us about it.
1: And thank you for the opportunity. I think to share that. So the concept of halal safaris is to provide an opportunity for Muslims who, typically, uh, there's this presumption that you know if you go to Africa, or if you go on safari, then you have to uh, give in or give up on some of um, your comforts in having a a Muslim friendly experience where you're going to get halal food, where you're going to get a a place to pray. So most Muslims typically travel, you know, to a city or to a resort uh, within their comfort levels uh, because it's presumed you can't get those extra amenities on, on, uh, on, on safari, be it wildlife safari or beach safari or any other safari. So, the the concept of halal safaris is really to open up those um opportunities for muslims from from within africa as well as those from outside uh, the continent and how to raise awareness that uh there's actually halal uh, options in in kenya in in south africa in in tanzania just as there would be in uh, in a country in in the middle east it's just that people don't know about those products and unfortunately because uh, many of the tourism services we provide in in, uh, in sub Sahara are not online, and so m- most travellers looking for places to travel don't think of a halal travel experience uh, in in sub-Saharan com- uh, sub-Saharan countries as the first option. Uh, traditionally. Uh, those who want a halal experience go to, you know, to Turkey. They go to Singapore, to Malaysia. Uh, if, if, if anything, uh, actually go to to London. I would think of London more of as a halal friendly um, uh, because of that, the presence of the Muslim population being online and this content being shared online about that. So, so really, that's the what you call it, the superficial uh, or what's what's on the surface of halal safaris. But really inside in the, the, the deeper um, uh, values or deeper ambitions of, of halal safaris is how to create a sustainable tourism uh, in the sense that if more Muslims were to travel and more Muslims were to discover uh, some of these uh, sites, uh, heritage sites that are important to uh, Islamic history in Africa, there would be more keen um interest in governments to actually uh conserve them and preserve them we've seen so many places uh in 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 i i'm from kenya and that's actually where most of the uh, trips we plan are right now and there's so many um heritage sites so many monuments right next to a wildlife safari but we don't naturally think of that as as a top destination to go to and instead the government spend more money in uh, in, uh, preserving uh, the uh, wildlife tourism, promoting wildlife tourism and really the Islamic heritage and Islamic uh, uh, sites are neglected and not promoted as a product. And contrast that to Turkey, where I've had the advantage of living and, and seeing how many, um, how much, sorry, is put into uh, these sites and, and these monuments by the government, realizing that these bring in revenue for, for the government and bring in revenue for the people by virtue of that, thereby making tourism sustainable for the people. And that is really the, the core value of what the Halal Safaris is about.
0: Uh, That's really fascinating because uh, we often, uh, you know, people from the West and at times, you know, South Africans, especially our audience, we may feel like we are actually part of the West because uh, Cape Town is known as the (laughs) European city of Africa. Um, And and perhaps it's been a subconscious enculturation that whenever we think of safaris, it's this Western colonial uh, understanding of, as you mentioned, going to see wildlife animals. uh, In actual fact, the, the history of Islam in Africa often predates many of the other places that we may go for um, these halal experiences
1: It's funny that you mentioned that even uh, starting the company I'd have some people wonder, well, why am I talking about you know heritage sites? And I, I thought you were selling safaris, and it safaris only about wildlife. No, safaris in itself, the word safari just means a journey. Um, uh, it's a, it's a Swahili word, but also uh, it it, uh, it it roots from the Arabic word safar. So it, it it's a journey, and how it started uh, historically is the first time the West started using it was these western explorers going to africa and to discover wildlife and the danger of wildlife so they were going on safari but the actual if you actually go to the ground when and especially in swahili speaking uh, communities when we use the word safari we're all just talking about travel and exploration and a journey and and, and so it, to me even just calling the company halal safaris it was a way to reclaim back my history to reclaim back um our uh, common understanding of what a safari is even um, especially considering for me coming from from kenya it's really hard to separate uh a wildlife safari from everything else uh, i don't know if you're aware but nairobi i uh, his uh has a national park that's within the city center so it's right next to the city there's a national park so and then so it's actually very easy uh to to have both a heritage experience and uh, a, a wildlife experience, and at the same time you're in the city. And then from from Lamu, the the archipelago on the coast of Kenya, where I'm from, the the beach is about five minutes away from the wildlife. So this whole separation of no, there's the wildlife safari, and then there's uh, and that's it. There's nothing else. Is really foreign, uh, actually. And so uh, opening up the eyes of not just um, uh, not, not just foreigners, but even to, to Africans ourselves to realize that, uh, why are we buying into this narrative that Africa is only about wildlife? We're not only about wildlife or about, um, about our history, or about our culture or about our beautiful beaches, you know, our, our, our heritage and traditions. And so when somebody travels all the way from the west to visit us, we shouldn't have them focus on that narrow vision that that's all they see that the the lions and the cheetahs is all they see.
0: Absolutely, and of course, as Muslims ourselves, it's really an imperative to meet um, our fellow brethren or Muslims across Africa itself. And um, me personally, and it's quite a shame, but I'm. A- quite honestly I've never actually been to another country outside of South Africa within Africa I've only been to Europe and you know to the Middle East Um, and that's certainly something that should change and I hope the listeners uh, who've had a similar experience to me will change in the future but uh, certainly there's some misconceptions when it comes to traveling with even within Islam particularly uh, when it comes to where we should travel to there's uh, obviously a famous hadith that talks about the um, greatness of these three specific masajid that we shouldn't travel to any massajid except these massajid but of course we know that you know the commentaries on that indicate that these particular masajid, if you pray in them, there, there's a greater reward. It doesn't mean you shouldn't travel to other countries. Of course the Quran is filled with verses talking about Qulf, uh, you know, seeru fil ard that people should um, travel through the earth to to, to see the uh, the various uh, communities that, that have gone before us. We know the Prophet himself went and travels. Uh, and the other thing is of course when it comes to women traveling alone, uh, these so much differences of opinion about that within our own tradition the diversity and the difference of opinion that's a mercy uh, when it comes to the various madaib of, of of jurisprudence of fiqh uh, and certainly uh, halal safaris offers a, a particular uh, you know package when it comes to women traveling together
1: yes uh, it's uh, it, it's quite true there's so many school of thought and i've um uh, in in terms of my experience and also knowing looking at the data from last uh, from last year from Crescent Rating despite all of this despite the the limitations or the cultural um perceptions that a woman isn't supposed to travel and the religious um uh, opinions that a woman shouldn't travel alone actually the muslim uh, the solo female muslim traveler is the fastest growing um traveler within the halal travel industry so we've had um, in the last uh, in, in the last couple of years, I think almost um, a 20% of the travel, oh, sorry, 10% of the travel industry is actually of women and solo women traveller, and they they project this will go up uh, by by 2020. And we even as women apparently spend more uh, when travelling. And I I think for, so for Halal safaris, to me, okay, even as a woman myself it was more of how do you how do you meet in the middle uh because there are there are those who say no a woman shouldn't travel alone and there are those who say it's okay what's the problem if she's going to do something good and if she's not engaging in in uh in negativity this is in terms of again i'm not talking about religious opinions here i'm talking about just personal opinions of muslims and and the meeting in the middle is the, as actually a, a minority, uh, but, uh, but uh, an existing uh, scholarly thought that it's OK if the woman travels in groups and if the woman is only traveling for only three days or a few days. So really within working within that, we, we actually uh, came up with uh, women only halal uh, group safari and uh the trip is broken up so that there's a, three days in on safari on a wildlife safari and then you have three days on a beach safari so so it can a woman can participate in the first half of the trip another one can say i'll i only want the second half of the trip combined it will be a six days trip but this is just a way to to kind of allow for those women who do want to explore and want to visit and want to travel. And because increasingly what's happening with with the Muslim population is that women are getting married at much older ages. Uh, Even within my circles of millennials, uh, you have women staying until they're 40 years old and not married. And maybe in some cases their fathers are not in their lives or their uncles are not in their lives. And and this woman is working. She's going to work every day. She's making her own money and having a lot of money, uh, excess money, and she doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, and she wants to travel. She wants to see other cultures for good uh, reason and not ne- necessarily for negative reasons. But is not enabled to do that. However, if you have a group of women traveling together, and especially if they're using that opportunity to learn about the Islamic her- her- uh, heritage uh, of their specific countries that they're traveling, it actually... Um, it makes their, their trip more, uh, what do you call it? nourishing or enriching to them rather than just a luxurious trip. We're going shopping and and uh, looked as, as a luxury, but it's actually more of educational and eye-opening. And uh, we call it, by the way, we call it uh, sister safari. Um, that's the, the the actual name of the trip itself for women only.
0: And of course, uh, all of this is on your website. Uh, how can people, uh, you know, connect with Halal Safaris? Tell us about some of your details
1: uh we're on uh, on the website on the internet uh, halal Africa and on all social media across from instagram facebook and uh, twitter which is uh, at halal safaris consistently across all platforms. Mm-hmm. We are online, very engaged uh, online for that matter, because uh, the other thing that uh, we, we've we come to learn from, from research in the tourism sector is actually um, the reason why even Muslim travelers now are traveling more than before is because of the digital industry. And if that information is online, and that's really what we're gearing to is put that information online as much as possible so that people know that there are halal uh, opportunities in, in 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 Cape Town, in Nairobi or anywhere else within Africa. In the hope that and, and to me, my vision is not just for them to travel with halal safaris, but to, you know, just open up your eyes to the potential and and explore uh, the, the continent in ways that we haven't thought of exploring before as Muslims.
0: Now, of course, a uh, part of the, the the traveling as well is uh, educational, but also um uh, you know some sort of fun activities is also you know really important and I know certainly when it comes to uh, coming to Cape Town, a big feature of people visiting here is the food itself. people love food, and uh, even though we are you know about five percent or you know, maybe a bit more of the South african population, our impact uh, upon the, pol- the political and socio economic um, aspects of South Africa has been huge so much so that if you go anywhere you'll usually find halal shops um all over the place and we've also created a you know a authentic South african you can call it a Muslim or Cape Muslim um, mm-hmm. food um, you know recipes and various things I mean uh, our listeners will know what I refer to when I, when, I, when I say booba or couscous. these are it's a mixture of the Indian and Malay uh, you know food traditions uh, into forming our own foods and and it's absolutely wonderful and, and tourists really l- l- love that aspect of our society uh, tell us about you know the, the the luxury or the fun aspect of visiting uh, you know the the places that you offer particularly I believe Kenya
1: okay thanks and uh, not, not to be academic so when I talk about enriching or, or learning knowledge no we're not going to be sitting behind a desk uh, and learning it but uh, and I, I do um, one thing I, I do find the most enriching at least in, in these safaris that's uh, and the most exciting is is actually being able to to do um, the what you call it uh, the what naturally historically people used to do in those communities and the fun thing and to me what I enjoy the most what I feel is so authentic is uh, is uh, working with the local communities Uh, for example in in Lamu uh, we we have daos and traditional daos and uh, that's the only way to get around the islands and so the same time you have a fun activity where you're going on a Dow trip you're sailing through the mangroves and you're uh you're exploring a sunset cruise through uh through the islands that's that, just exploring that and having a fun experience with the Dow operators and seeing what they're doing or how they used to do it for centuries that's how a way you have fun but you also learn at the same time um but at the same uh, at the same uh position i'm talking that's more in reference to the group trips but what we also do is have tailored trips tailored trips meaning that it's not that okay well you will have somebody say you know i'm not really interested in learning about heritage i'm just here to have bungee jumping and uh, and go skydiving um which I've had somebody say they just want to come for snorkeling and want to go and and go uh, uh, go scuba diving in the coast and we so the tailored trips allows for that is to say what's fun for you what do you enjoy how can we make that trip for you and there are actually not that many um uh, uh, what do you call it tailored safari packages a lot of what happens nowadays is you have a travel agency that comes with a package and they say this is what you'll do for these trips and this is what we're selling and that's it. Uh, But to actually sit down and understand the clients, because every Muslim is different and every traveler is different. So we're working on trying to understand three different things. And I mean, two different things. But uh, in, in in Cape Town, we haven't started a, uh, a package in Cape Town and uh, in, in South Africa. But you have a lot to offer that it's so hard, depending on what the personality of the person is. You have uh, somebody can go dive with sharks. I, I'm not personally, I'm not that adventurous to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that adventurous to do that. And maybe other Muslims, another Muslim might be. So, so what a tailored package allows you to is to understand the personality of the traveler, to say, what do you feel like? And then finding and identifying those attractions for that person, an individual. But our group mm-hmm. trips uh, that we do, uh, the exclusive group trips, are Islamic heritage trips. So that is where we we, we create a historical way that people travel through time to see how um, explorers, uh, uh, I think most people are familiar with Ibn Battuta, and uh, although Mansa Musa didn't come to, didn't get to Kenya, but Ibn Battuta got all the way to to Tanzania, and seeing how did they travel in those days? Okay, they used the DAO, Let's go, to, let's go with the DAO, Let's experience that. Though that's a very a, a separate package, uh, but the tailored package. Uh, really, even for families, I've had uh, one family say, you know, we want to come with our kids. We want a place where we want to be able to take our kids to do a fun activity and um, and and engage with wildlife. And so with Kenya, uh, we have the Maasai Mara, which is very popular. A lot of people swarm there. It's crowded sometimes of the year if you go at the wrong time. But by tailoring it, we're able to say, you know what, you should come at this time. And uh, this is the lodge you should go to because they actually have babysitters. And while well, you can go and have fun as a mother and and you can have your kids taken care of. And so th- that's what we, um, we really f- enjoy the most in doing is uh, is it's kind of like a you'd say a doctor. It's not a one pill fits all. Uh, and uh, it really depends on who the traveler is and what they're seeking to get out of the experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some of these famous travellers that we know, even uh, Battuta Mansa Musa, but there's so many untold stories as well. I mean, there's so many uh, historical uh, lessons that we can learn, and really inspiring stories from our own history in, in Cape Town, South Africa, people uh, such as Sheikh Yusuf of Makassar, who was a great, great scholar in Indonesia, and some of the, of course, uh, the, the, the kings and the princes and, and some of the advisors of the royalty in, in Indonesia had come over uh, to South Africa as political prisoners, um, but not only that, we, we, I mean, I think um, many um, people across the world know South Africa as being famously, as turned by Nelson Mandela, the rainbow nation, but it's not only mm-hmm. that because of it being, uh, you know, various different races, but also with regards to the origins of the people when it comes to the Muslims themselves. We have Muslims from the broader uh, parts of Africa, uh, really a large proportion of the original Muslims were from other parts of Africa, Indonesia, Yemen, India. Afghanistan, um, and many different places, of course, Europeans as well. Um, there's so much history to show how many English people had come over and become Muslim, and had contributed positively to the first madaris and, and Muslim schools that had opened up in, in South Africa. So I think no matter where you are, you know, from in the world, you'll always find something to relate to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to traveling to these new, new places. Um, One of the other things that uh, you really um, pointed out that's really important is, um, you know, continuing with the times and looking at the industry as as a business opportunity uh, and also an opportunity to do good in the world. One of the things that we'll be talking about in in a forthcoming uh, interview, hopefully, is you you spoke about time and responsible travel, how we can use traveling for the benefit of people. Talk to me about that.
1: Yes, and, and that's something we often overlook. Uh, you know, as Muslims, we're, we've boxed it as halal is the food we eat and that's it uh, when we think of tourism. And, um, and even when we think of everything else, we, we're not responsible about it. But, uh, you know, in, in, in um, standard luxury travel, most luxury travel, it's usually about uh, opulence and and, and, uh, and spoiling yourself. but in Islamic travel it's quite interesting. It, it's uh, yes, you're spoiling yourself but with responsibility. And so halal travel actually goes hand in hand with what um, mainstream travel industry is now talking about sustainable tourism. halal tourism, um, has always been sustainable in the sense of your, uh, even even through the travels of the Prophet when you would go uh, from one place to the other and find an animal or or if uh, if the Sahaba find a uh, find a, a tree or there'd always be that responsibility that th- th- you have to leave the world in the way you found it and only make it better and so that is embedded within Islamic practice and even through travel and journeying through the world and. Um, and so what Tayyib means is that not only is the food just slaughtered or the meat just slaughtered in a, in the a way it's supposed to be slaughtered, but how how is it contributing to the environment? Your utilization of this meat, where is the source of the other recipes? Where are they coming from? Um, so you might be having a great halal meat on your plate, but uh, you're eating a lot of unhealthy or, uh, or uh, foods. Or in some cases, in some of these resorts, you'll find that the community next to it is suffering or languishing in poverty, yet you're there living in opulence. So it's it's a contradiction. What are you doing as a traveler and contributing to that? And when I say living in poverty, I don't mean where um, in some cases you'll find the communities would prefer to remain traditionally the way they were. And therefore uh, what the hotel does instead is actually contributes to, uh, to the community that maintains a balance. But i um, in in the, the negative side is where the community sees no benefit in the tourism. They're not benefiting from uh, from and not providing maybe any of the services in the hotel, yet you are encouraging it in opulence and traveling. So so the Tayyib uh, of responsible tourism is really uh, a combination of what in the mainstream is called, uh, sorry, Tayyib and Halal tourism is really a, a combination of what the mainstream we call luxury travel, and um, and uh, sustainable travel, it, it goes to us. It goes hand in hand, and one cannot go without the other.
0: Really fascinating and I hope our listeners will definitely uh, take this opportunity, of course, halal And we're speaking to the founder, uh, uh, that's Sami Umar. Um Of course, uh, we will be having some more interviews in the future about that particular topic, and responsible travel, exploring uh, Islamic history and heritage and reclaiming and retelling those African stories. As well as going a bit more into the the fiqh of all of it, uh, but shukran so much to you, Samia. All the best uh, for the future, and we hope to stay in contact. And uh, hopefully, we can meet, uh, you know, across Africa in different Muslim communities. Shukran so much.
1: Inshallah, shukran. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Wassalam.